Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Well, good morning, St. James, on this first Sunday in Lent. Hope you're excited about it. (laughs) I am. Our Ash Wednesday was our threshold across which we step into the Lenten season. And smudged crosses have now washed down shower drains, yet remnants remain under our skin. Some teared up as the sign of the cross was made on your foreheads. Others had a deer-in-the-heads-like look. And frankly, I'm moved that anyone would let a priest touch them while looking them in the eye, tell them that one day they will return to dust and that each of us, created in God's image, participates in a shared mortality. Ash Wednesday experiences aren't just about eventually dying. They are a shadow recognition of what Blaise Pascal, the 17th century French philosopher, called the God-shaped hole. In the middle of life, that God, by design, uses to keep everyone close. For Christians, seeing the cross made visible on our faces touches something deep inside of ourselves. And our ashes connect the fabric of who we are, not just with one another, but with the one to whom each of us belongs. No exceptions. Today, our gospel reading from Luke leads us, along with Jesus, into the mystery of our human limits. And as he is led by God's spirit into the wilderness, sign of the strangeness of mortal life. And in the words of Luke, after his baptism, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. He was tempted by the devil. Lent is our season of living on the edge. It's patterned on Jesus' wilderness time when the Holy Spirit led him to the limits of his life, mentally, physically, and spiritually. And with Jesus, we are asked to abide in the wilderness long enough to learn what really matters in the lives that we've been given. And today we come full circle to the story of the voice of one crying in the wilderness. There's a wildness that's essential to what we're trying to remember during Lent, charged with discomforting images of animal skin clothing, locusts for lunch, and the devil lying in wait. For this first Sunday of our journey through Lent steers us as it directed Jesus toward the horizon of Good Friday. And it demands that we hold on to the discomfort of the looming passion narrative long enough that we can see what the edginess of Jesus' journey of 40 days in the wilderness with Satan has to teach us about the good news of our mortal life. Lent implores us to travel to the edge just as Jesus did, so that we too can know the taste of grace in the face of finitude. 
The good news we're reminded, isn't that being a Christian will remove the seductive temptations of life? Is that God has been on this Lenten journey before us as Jesus walked our walk as fully flesh, fully vulnerable, fully subject to the challenges of the desert of experiences of living. And Jesus' time in the desert, facing the temptations of entitlement, security, power, and comfort, made it possible for Jesus to turn his sights deliberately to the road towards Jerusalem, impervious to self-serving evil. And having survived the wilderness, the good news is that Jesus never looked back as he traveled towards the cross. And Lent offers to help make us as unwavering as Jesus on our own walks. The good news of Lent is that forgiveness and reconciliation are possible in this mortal life, however dry and parched the desert we each began. And the good news of the temptation stories of Lent is that Jesus was tempted as a person for whom temptation came in the same forms it comes to us. Because Jesus bore our human flesh, we know that God bears our joys and sorrows more closely than two oxen yoked together, sharing the strains of life side by side. And as a result, we discover not only that we are pleased to have God at our side when facing the struggles of life, God has made us to be right there at God's side as well. In Jesus' temptation and triumph over Satan, we're reminded not only that our humanity can bear the same temptations as Jesus but our humanity is capable of also bearing divine goodness into the midst of God's creation. And we today, we're thinking especially of the church, the body of Christ, are not merely offered God's help in bearing the weight of the world. We're called in capital letters to bear the divine goodness, grace, compassion, and all-or-nothing love into the world. It's one thing to to be reminded that God bears our brokenness when we don't know how. It's another thing to learn that God needs us to carry love out into the world. And this mortal church, as Diedrich Bonhoeffer put it, is actually Christ existing as community even if we don't feel worthy or capable. I am so struck by the fact that the further Jesus went along the road to Golgotha, the less preoccupied he was with his own suffering, and the more his compassion turned to the suffering of the world, including those who were inflicting suffering on him. The good news of Lent is that we too are called to do the same, to pattern our life story by his life, 
to let our heart beat with his heart. And the call of Christ is for us to be disciples, the ones who walk with Jesus and learn from him. We're the ones who take the gifts God has given to humanity and then go out, whether alone or together, to be bearers of Christ to those who hunger and thirst like he did. Give us this day our daily bread. Who are tempted like he was, lead us not into temptation. To commit oneself to others as he did, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. The message of Lent is that we come to Jesus just as we are, right now, bearing the wilderness of our fears and doubts in tandem with our celebrations and joys. Jesus invites us to come and follow wherever the journey takes us and to invite others to come along with us, sharing the journey with Christ even at great cost. Tommy, the best friend of my life, and I had grown up together and remained friends far into adulthood. We gathered for lunches, weddings, funerals, Thanksgiving feast and the annual infamous kickball game on his family's extended backyard, the ninth fairway of the stately Maryland golf course. Tommy was a brilliant attorney, savvy investor in the stock market and real estate, the favored son of an important family, and he had a golf swing that made his father weep. Tommy also suffered terribly with depression. And one night he called me with what at the time I didn't recognize was a plea for help from the deepest dark of his personal wilderness. And now he was at the limit of his mortality. His words will haunt me to the end of my life, as he said, I so envy your relationship with God. I never knew how to make Jesus my friend. Tommy, you see, had left his boyhood church, as had many of our peers. He traded his faith for a little bit of this and that, layers of life accumulating like dust, dulling vision and muting the call of God's unyielding presence. And that night on the phone with Tommy, I realized that even though Tommy had driven through an ice storm through two states to attend my ordination as a priest, somehow I had never taken the time or mustered the courage to speak intimately with him about my love for God or Jesus' love for me. And him. Without my being aware, Tommy's illness had slowly isolated him. And yet he trusted me, including all things religious, to call. It remains my life's deepest regret and my failure as a priest 
that I never found a way to tell him about the most life-giving gift that God has given us, God's love for each of us, each one of you, that will never abandon you in any wilderness. The night of our phone call was ironically on Monday, Thursday, and Tommy took his own life that night after our call. I have no doubt that on that night of his suicide, the angels ministered to him. They waited on him as they had Jesus in his wilderness time. And I know that I couldn't have prevented the consequences and outcome of his long-standing depression, yet his yearning still haunts me. I never knew how to make Jesus my friend. I never knew how to make Jesus my friend. Each of us enters into our God relationship differently. And I have learned sometimes the hard way that as Christians, we can't claim to be the church, the body of Christ, and then put our self-interests above the actual needs of the world. Our vocation is to help God reconcile our fractured world by bearing the pains of others as if they were our own. And we must not succumb to the temptation to watch the slow annihilation of Ukraine as theater unfolding day by day. It's an excruciating judgment on our worship of money and possessions and military power, all of which we find ourselves desiring in different measure. Or if we do not keep up with the news, it's because we've yielded to the temptation to let our discomfort with God's preferences for the poor and the suffering and the outcast and the disenfranchised to become more important than the suffering outcast themselves. God so loved the world, all the Tommies of the world, each and every Ukraine, no matter what, without exceptions. And the gospel, our good news, is that Jesus went out into the wilderness and to the cross and willingly risked everything for our sake. Everything for our sake. To follow Christ is to bind us to the riskiness and edginess of the reconciling love of God that knows no bounds. When we're the church, not just when we hear and proclaim the good news that God died for us, but when we're willing to suffer, even die if necessary, for those who have lost sight of how to stand up for themselves. Our biggest temptation as the church is not just our inability to love our neighbors, much less our enemies, but our willingness to allow the world to dull our very desire to do so. Our own desert temptation is to lose sight of the fact that Christ is unbreakably yoked with us in our humanity, including our fears and shortcomings, as well as the longings for fullness of life, precisely for all those who suffer 
in our world. Lent is indeed a season in the shadow of the cross, following discipleship, come at a cost, as we confront the temptation to trade security and comfort for the riskiness and edginess of love for the very strangers and outcasts for whom Christ lived and died. And we find Christ, Lent teaches us, precisely when we find God waiting at the door in the face of a stranger. The stranger who comes knocking. Lent calls us to be fearless in the face of the temptation to accept anything less than the good news that God started this journey with us and walks beside us now with a love that is sufficient in all things, all people, in life and death, in war and in peace. God bless you, the community of St. James, as you continue on your blessed and precious gift of this journey in Lent together. Amen.